singing in the rain. I'm singing in the rain. What a glorious feeling. I'm happy in the rain. I'm singing in the rain. Yes, singing in the rain. What a glorious feeling. I'm happy in the rain. Hello again, and welcome to another round of our Dirty 35 Prospect Countdown. Uh, as you know, we've been doing these in tiers. Uh, we've done Prospects 35 through 31, Prospects 30 through 26, Prospects 25 through 21, uh, and Prospects 20 through 16. Today, we will be going over Prospects 15 through 11. Uh, my name is Kyle Reese. I am your host. This is a very special episode of our little tiered countdown because it's coming to you live from my shower. Uh, I'm, I'm a man about town, I'm pressed for time, uh, and I have a choice to make. So thanks to my lovely girlfriend Ashley, I decided that uh, what I'm going to end up doing is I'm going to do this from the shower. Uh, I like to take long showers, just like I like to take long walks on the beach. And I hope that you'll think of this as more of our first date uh, in what is apparently a polygamous relationship. Uh, look, we can go over the list if you want. You guys know how to get it. Uh, I I'm not going to go over it, mostly because I don't have it in front of me and I probably don't remember it. Uh, but also, because I want you to go to Birds on the Black as I wash my hair, and I want you to, uh, to read those articles and go back to our podcast network there and read my little tiered system. Now, I have to tell you, Prospects 15 through 11 are easily my favorite little group of subset of prospects. I, man, i got to tell you, like, Prospects 14 and 13 might not be, like, the most exciting, but they're kind of underrated within the organization. Uh, but then Prospects 11, 12, and 15 are just so exciting and, and young and raw and inexperienced within minor league baseball. And I've I got to tell you, I'm just really excited about, about their future. And I think all five of these guys are going to be Major League Impact. Uh, or maybe not Major League Impact, but all five of these guys will make a Major League debut. And, you know, that's a really big positive. It, I don't know. I'm going to ramble on and on and on because now I just want to talk because I'm in the shower. Uh, let's see. How about this? Uh, Let's try to let's try to do it this way. Uh, we'll start with prospect number fifteen, just like we normally would. It's seventeen-year-old. Uh, I believe he'll be eighteen at the start of the season. Third baseman Malcolm Nunez. Now, uh, Malcolm Nunez ended up being kind of a big deal because he was signed as an international free agent for three hundred thousand dollars. Now, you'll remember that in the Cardinals' international signing period, uh, because of some. Restrictions after spending quite a bit of money in you know two years ago, the Cardinals were only allowed to spend uh, up to three hundred thousand dollars per player in the international market, and they did that last year and acquired signed Malcolm Nunez. And by all accounts, anybody with a scouting eye, really anybody with an eye, and even some people who don't have eyes and can hear things, it, just by hearing the noise off of the bat would be able to tell you that Malcolm Nunez was worth more than $300,000. I don't know how the Cardinals signed him. Uh, I'm going to leave it at that. Just speculating here would probably be a bad idea. Uh, but the Cardinals signed him. They got really, really lucky in doing so. And uh, I guess before he entered the organization, and part of the reason why it's not just like a blind signing, this was a player who did really well in U18 tournaments uh, who had already made a name for himself on the national scene. 
So for him, as a 17-year-old assigned with the Cardinals, for $300,000 is really kind of a miracle. Uh, it happened. I'm not going to ask how it happened, but it happened, and it was good. Now, the one stat that people look at uh, when, when I talk about Malcolm Nunez, other than the tremendous power in the GCL, uh, is his WRC Plus of 238 that he posted uh, in the Dominican Summer League. Now, that's not really that big of a deal. It's huge. It's big. It's happened before, and those players have fizzled out. Uh, so just keep that in mind, the Dominican Summer League, usually the pitching there is not of equal standard to what someone like Malcolm Nunez is capable uh, of doing. He's usually, like, somebody is physically built as he is because, you know, he's he's 17 years old or was 17 years old in 2018, but he's built like a damn man, uh, an absolute man. More physically gifted, uh, better baseball acumen than the talent that he was facing. Keep that in mind. Again, 238 WRC Plus is off the charts out of this world, that kind of stuff just doesn't happen on accident. Uh, I believe that the Cardinals wanted to get him to the Gulf Coast League. I'm going to turn the shower off, guys. Thank you for being a part of this with me. Uh, the Cardinals wanted to get him to the Gulf Coast League in 2018, and they didn't have any luck because of visa issues. This happens every once in a while. They just couldn't get the visa uh, uh, thing worked out. So uh, instead, he just spent the entire time in the Dominican Summer League, which also gives us, like, we have a lot of questions now still with Mr. Malcolm Nunez. There are still some things that we really have to figure out. Uh, he'll start this year in the, uh, in the Gulf Coast League, more than likely, unless the Cardinals decide to get really, really aggressive with him. Uh, he might end up at Johnson City. I think that that makes the most sense. But Cardinals could get really aggressive with him and send him to Peoria, and we could do a weird timeshare with Gorman and Nunez. I think they're both physically able to handle the position. Anyways, the deal with Malcolm Nunez is he's big, he's strong, he's a monster. His swing is perfect, uh, as good as you'll see out of any teenager probably in all of minor league baseball. Uh, it's wonderful. He plays a good third base, comes in really well on the ball, goes to his right pretty well. He's a little choppy. Uh, the, the area with Nunez where we're concerned is he's put on a bit of weight, and it doesn't really seem like the optimal kind of weight. He's still big and strong, but it seems like a concerning amount of weight. Now, uh, I did see a picture of him uh, during step camp. And it seemed like some of those weight issues that I had have gone away. Uh, but it's just something we're going to have to keep an eye on. He's, he has a kind of body style where you worry about uh, the eventual weight gain if weight gain comes. He's, gonna, he's the type of guy who's going to have to work a little harder to keep his body in shape. One thing that we loved about, and it's in the gifts uh, within Malcolm Nunez's article, he takes these weird little choppy steps running from first to second like trying to steal a base. It's hilarious. He runs kind of like a little baby dinosaur, like a baby T-Rex. And uh, it's cute and fun and all that other stuff. As you know, what we'll probably do too with our number 12 prospect, uh, as we're going to do here with our number 15 prospect, is we're probably going to cut this short. Because we don't want to invest all that much into a prospect that hasn't played stateside yet. He's in step camp. Uh, that's a positive. He'll be stateside in 2019. But just know that Malcolm Nunez is a tremendously talented player who signed really, really cheap. That is an incredible asset for the Cardinals. And he just might be that next stud, that next star that we can all get excited about uh, from the international signing uh, aspect, if you will. Uh, I'm going to put lotion on now, guys. I hope that you enjoy lotioning me together. God, this is so great. This is how you make good radio, family. You take a shower, and then you lather yourself up with lotion. All right, so that's prospect number 15, Malcolm Nunez. Big, big 2019 ahead for him. And uh, third baseman, just another great third baseman in the organization uh, that we're going to hit on the next one here, the next 
really, really underrated player in the Cardinals organization is third baseman Evan Mendoza. Now, uh, when Evan Mendoza was at NC State, he was a relief pitcher his freshman year. And then between his freshman and sophomore year, there was an opening at third base, and he committed himself to becoming an everyday player again. He was an everyday player in high school, uh, but he wanted to be the everyday third baseman, and he worked his ass off to get there, and he accomplished it. And it took him all of his sophomore year. He struggled his sophomore year to hit. Uh, and then part of his junior year, to really get a feel for his approach and how he wanted to uh, how he wanted to like attack the strike zone from a hitting standpoint. And it took him about midway through his junior year at NC State, and finally everything clicked. Um, it, it really clicked, and the Cardinals drafted him, and he's been in the Cardinals system. He, in 2017, after he was drafted, he won a batting title in the New York Penn League. He held his own in Peoria over a short stint, and then he started 2018 at Palm Beach. What you need to know about Palm Beach is that it's the Florida State League. It's a tough hitters league. Very rarely are players assigned there. Uh, especially players that are probably still working on some things in their first full year within an organization. And that happened with Evan Mendoza. And he held his own. His WRC plus was above, it was right around 140. I think it was 147. It might have been 137. Uh, He owned that league. It never overwhelmed him. He did as well as you can expect anybody in their first season to do. The other thing about Evan Mendoza is he was 21 at the time. He's He's young for being a college junior draftee. Uh, He's young for entering his second full year in the organization. He'll be 22, I believe, all year. Keep an eye on that. Really, the calling card of Evan Mendoza is his defense at third base. Easily the best defensive shortstop, or the best defensive third baseman in the organization. Uh, I I don't even think it's close. And when I say organization, I mean in the system, in the farm system. Uh, I, I wouldn't take any of the other third basemen over him. He's athletic. He'll dive for everything. He's got a strong arm. He'll hop over people and walls and fences. Any obstacle that's in his way of catching that baseball, he's going to run through, over, or around, or underneath to get. He's an impressive young man. Now, the Cardinals had him spend a little bit of time at shortstop in 2018, and it just didn't really seem to click. He's been playing first in spring training. And, again, I don't think that his future is at first base long term, but I do think that it gives us an indication of just how good of a utility player Mendoza ends up being. Now, what ended up happening is Mendoza found his way to Springfield, got promoted from Palm Beach to Springfield in 2018, and he just never, ever seemed to really gain traction. Uh, There were times when he'd hit okay, but he doesn't really hit for a lot of power, and that's really where he's going to end up getting into trouble. His approach is good. He needs to take more walks, uh, maybe see a few more pitches. Uh, But, you know, as a 21-year-old who had only been starting for a couple years, in his first full season, uh, at the at the you know uh, first full year within the Cardinals organization, he did more than fine in Springfield. It, again, it's nothing that you would have like you would have wrote home to mom about, but it was enough to hold his own and really pique your interest. It piqued my interest. Uh, people people forgot how good Evan Mendoza was because of how much he struggled at Springfield. And that's a shame because he is a tremendous player, a tremendous athlete, and advanced. He's really smart. Those NC State kids, uh, as we'll get to with uh, Andrew Kisner here in a couple weeks, they're smart. They're, they're a great above. Uh, so, you know, 
I like Evan Mendoza for all of those reasons. He has the intangibles. In the article, I mentioned that last year, Tommy Edmond was kind of forced to Springfield. Now, Mendoza earned his promotion to Springfield. uh, But in 2017, Tommy Edmond was kind of forced because of injuries. Some opportunities presented themselves. And Tommy Edmond kind of treaded water. Uh, He did some water treading, if you will. And it never really seemed to click in 2017. He was just trying to keep his head above water. And that's what Mendoza did in 2018. And we all know the story of Tommy Edmond at this point in, in 2018, and now here in spring training, where Tommy Edmond has taken the next step. And the reason he's been able to do that is because he's smart, he's athletic, and he doesn't get beat down. And that's the same thing that can be said with Evan Mendoza. Of course, if Mendoza can't hit for power, then that's going to be a problem for a third baseman. I would imagine that with Mendoza playing time, at, spending time at first in spring training, that that means you're going to see him moving around the diamond quite a bit this year. Uh, there's no reason to give up on him at shortstop yet unless the Cardinals are, unless he's not comfortable with it. Uh, I would imagine he's the kind of kid who would say, play me anywhere. Probably take some, some reps at catcher too. But uh, he could have the opportunity to be a really solid utility player if he can prove that he can play short. Uh, but he's a reliable, I, look, I love watching Evan Mendoza play third. I say in the article that I don't think the Cardinals have had as good of a defensive uh, third baseman since Scott Rowland. Now, he's nowhere near that level as Scott Rowland, not even close. Uh, but he is the best that the Cardinals would have if he was playing in the major leagues since Scott Rowland. And that's not from like a DRS standpoint, because Jerko had a great year at third. Matt Carpenter's had put up some good DRS uh, numbers uh, uh, at third. I'm talking about like the spectacular and the average. He's capable of making both. Uh, I really like Evan Mendoza. My guess is he'll start the year at Springfield, where he left off last year. And uh, hopefully he'll get a chance to kind of like regain some of the prospect standing he lost while he struggled at Springfield. Uh, He's going to. He's just too talented not to. Uh, And that's third baseman, our number 14 prospect, Evan Mendoza. Which brings us to our 13th prospect, left-handed pitcher, Evan Krachinski. Now, uh, what you need to know about Krachinski is that, and I say it in the article, is that he went to East Carolina, which is the school that gave the St. Louis Cardinals Seth Manis. And part of the reason why I uh, I didn't really give Mr. Krachinski the, the love and respect that he deserved was because of that. Because I'm a naive jerk uh, who kind of underestimated him. The other reason that I might have underestimated Krachinski when he was uh, uh, drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals, is the year before, the Cardinals drafted a lefty named John Kilachowski, and Kilachowski started his career, his first half season, in Peoria. That's exactly what Krachinski did. And uh, Kilachowski was great. Lights out. I wanted, I think I put him on my Dirty 35 or Dirty 30 uh, from the get-go last year. But the problem was Kilachowski got hurt a bunch, and he just wasn't that good. And I didn't really get to watch Krachinski a lot, so I didn't really know what to think. And because of that, I kind of downgraded what I thought of, uh, of Mr. Evan Krachinski. So, what ended up happening is early in the year, I was fortunate enough to watch Palm Beach play Bradenton uh, on MILB TV, and that's not something that gets to happen a lot. Like, the Palm Beach Club, uh, the Palm Beach Cardinals are one of the teams that you don't get to watch, (laughs) oh god, hold on, (laughs) you don't get to watch a lot on minor league baseball on MILB TV. Uh, And this is good too, Bradenton, because the camera is fixed behind the pitcher, so you actually get to see movement, and... Kuczynski pitched like a man. He pitched incredibly. And it piqued my interest and caught my attention. And then right after that, he got hurt. Missed pretty much the beginning of June to the beginning of July. And uh, I didn't really get to watch him. And he kind of fell out of my like my mind space, if that's a thing. Uh, I'm embarrassed for saying that. I'd like to take that mind space comment back, if, if applicable. Uh, but So here's the deal. He commands three pitches. Uh, curveball, changeup, and a fastball. 
all three pitches are really good. He tunnels them well. They come from the same spot. He doesn't throw his arm, slow his arm down. His mechanics are solid. Uh, again, th- when I say he, like, all of these pitches are, like, above average. For, like, a back-of-the-rotation starter, that's Evan Kuczynski. He has that potential. Now, when he uh, he got promoted to Springfield at the end of the year, was lights out, held hitters to a one point or a, a one ninety nine batting average. Very, I mean, he was just he was lights out. He was so good, and it turned out that he had incorporated a slider into his repertoire, and uh, that seemed to really push him over the edge. Uh, maybe maybe allowed him to to hit the next level. Kuczynski went to the Arizona Fall League. And it just didn't click. Uh, he got into a lot of trouble early, which is kind of his M.O. When you watch some of those starts, most of the damage ends up happening in the first inning. He has, uh, especially with this curveball, he has he spikes that curveball every once in a while. And he has trouble locating the pitch because of that. I mean, obviously, he's just overthrowing early in a game. He doesn't have the feel for his off-speed pitches. So he's one of these pitchers that if he gets through the first inning, I mean, you'll know right away what kind of start you're going to get out of him first, second inning. Uh, he needs to work through those jitters to reach his his ceiling, but Kuczynski's a he's a legitimate major league threat. Uh, he has legitimate major league potential. He throws four pitches that have major league capabilities. Uh, he's he's changed his mechanics just a little bit. He reminds me in his lower half the way he he moves of Mark Mulder. His upper half was moving a little bit faster than his lower half was, and uh, it's more in sync now. And I think that's part of the reason why he was so successful in Springfield as well. Uh, he's look. He's just a really solid depth option. Think of him as somebody along the lines of Austin Gomber. You know, we've seen Austin Gomber be really good at the majors, and we've also seen him be terrible at the majors. Uh, he doesn't have the big breaking pitch that Gomber has, uh, but his stuff, I would say, doesn't get left over the middle of the plate the way that Austin Gomber's has the potential to do and does quite frequently. Uh, so maybe his stuff isn't quite to the caliber of Austin Gomber's, but I would argue that his ability to keep the pitch out of the middle of the plate. Is, uh, is better than Gomber's was. Uh, Kuczynski's a little bit older. He's not super old. I think he's 23 turning 24. Uh, so I would imagine that his timetable to the major leagues will be expedited just a little bit compared to maybe some of the teenagers on our list. Uh, keep an eye. I, I like Evan Kuczynski a lot. Speaking of prospects we like a lot, prospect number 12 is 18-year-old outfielder Jan Torres. Uh, Torres was one of the two outfielders acquired for Oscar Mercado from the Cleveland Indians. Uh, you know, at the trade deadline last year, Connor Capel was the other one. I'm not a big fan of Capel. And Torres is the one. Now, as we mentioned with prospect number 15, Malcolm Nunez, uh, Jan Torres, those two guys in particular have made me rethink about the way that I evaluate prospects. Back in the day, I would never in a million years put two teenagers, one 18-year-old, well, one who had just finished their year 18 season and the other one who had just finished their year 17 season, this high on the list. And the reason is because of how volatile those leagues are. They don't really give you a full indication, like statistically, uh, of how good these players can be, often misleading. But Torres and Nunez are different because of how physically fit they are, uh, their body type, and how beautiful their swing mechanics are. The other thing is they have power at the lower levels. It, I say it in the article, and I'll probably, like, if there's one thing I know I'm going to end up eating, uh, it's going to be this. I personally like Jan Torres more than I liked Oscar Oscar Tavares at that same level. Uh, It's a bold claim. It's aggressive. But I just like what he does better than Tavares. I think he's a better outfielder. I think he might run a little bit better. I think that he has more raw power, like a higher power potential. I don't think he's going to hit for the average that Tavares showed in the minor leagues. But he is a prospect along this lines. And 
because of how physically mature they are and the power that they brought, I can't ignore them. They're, they're both, both Nunez and Torres are so supremely gifted that to, to put them further back on the list would have been ignorant. They're right where they need to be. Maybe putting them a little further up might be warranted, but a little too aggressive for my liking. Uh, I just, I really like these two guys. And because of their abilities, how physically gifted they are, uh, I have to rethink how I grade prospects. Uh, if the Cardinals get players like this coming through the system, it's part of the reason why Leandro Cedeno found his way to uh, 22nd on the list. He's just so physically gifted, and he has tools that really project. And those guys deserve a little extra oomph in the standings. They deserve a little extra uh, uh, pimping, if you will. So that Torres is so talented. Nunez is so talented that they get spots that I otherwise would not have ever given any prospects. They're making me rethink the way that I evaluate. That's how talented these kids are. With, Tavo- with Torres in particular, he has a really great arm out in the outfield. He's super athletic. I would imagine the Cardinals will have him spend some time in center field, but he is a corner outfielder, maybe a prototypical right fielder. Uh, he's going to hit for power. You know, in 500 at-bats in the minor leagues, he's going to hit 20 home runs to 25 home runs. Uh, he, you know, the walks will be a little interesting. I don't really have a feel for his approach yet. I know he still swings wild sometimes, although he has it under control. As I mentioned in the article, one of the things that really concerned me when I first started digging into Jan Torres is that he had this really big leg kick, you know, this really big leg timing mechanism when he would swing. And it was so much that I thought, man, you know, this kid's going to be susceptible to striking out on big breaking pitches as he finds his way up the organization. But then when you find some, uh, he, he participated for Columbia uh, in the, uh, the U23 baseball tournament. And this was last offseason. And he's, uh, uh, yeah, this, I think it was this past offseason. And he's already toned down that leg kick without compromising power. And that was it for me. Like, that was a big clincher for me. You know, he, you, in, in the article, you'll see him swing at a breaking, paw, uh, breaking pitch low. And he's, he's just, his timing is good. Everything is good. He's not fooled. He handles it. Uh, that's, that's Jan Torres. He's just like, he seems so too good to be true. You know, Oscar Mercado has an amazing a major league career ahead of him as a, a really, really solid starting outfielder who will probably be a fourth outfielder longer than he'll be a starter. Uh, he's, he's really good. But for the Cardinals to acquire someone with the raw talent of, of Jan Torres, I think he's 6'3". I don't know what he's listed at, but I'd be willing to bet he's every bit of 190, 200. Uh, he's, he's just big. He's perfect. Like, again, I feel like I'm overselling it. And I'm, I'm also going to ask you again, just like with Nunez, to keep your, your excitement in order. Remember that a lot can go wrong for these kids at that age. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're a teenager... You're dealing with things on an emotional level that you can't do when you're a little bit more mature. Even the difference between being 17 and 18 and 21, 22. You know, these guys are guys who would be entering their freshman year in college or their sophomore year in college. Uh, Wouldn't even be draft eligible if they weren't drafted out of high school. Uh, There's still so much maturity that needs to happen, even for the most mature players in those situations. Anything could happen with these guys. Temper your expectations and your excitement. But know that if you're going to have high expectations and are going to be super excited about players that have barely touched uh, the minor leagues, you know, Torres has only made it, he's only spent one season stateside. Nunez hasn't done it yet. Uh, But these are the guys you do it for. And I just, man, I really think Jan Torres 
is something special. And I'm, I'm going to cut it off there. I'm just going to say I'm anxious to see what his 2019 season looks like. And I hope the Cardinals are smart and get aggressive with him and send him to Peoria. Because, uh, you know, he was in Gulf Coast League. That would mean he would be jumping Johnson City and State College. Uh, but I think that he's ready for the Peoria Challenge, and I hope that the Cardinals do too. He's a, he's a special kid. He's a special kid and a special athlete. I don't know anything about his personality or his work ethic or anything like that. Uh, hopefully we can get a better feel for that if he does find his way to Peoria. That's another reason why I selfishly want him to go to Peoria. know some people down there who can give me some, some information. Uh, but I just, I'm so high on Torres. I like his athleticism. I like the way he runs. I like the way he throws. I like the way he plays the outfield. And I love his swing and his ability to barrel. He has a short, he just has like a perfect swing. It's, it's wonderful. So anyways, I'm done gushing about Torres. Uh, after that, after those incredible words that I just said, he's probably going to hit 180 for the next two years and, and uh, be the founder of a cocaine ring or something. Who really knows? Uh, so that's our, our number 12 prospect outfielder, Jan Torres. That brings us to our number 11 prospect, and oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, let me get a drink, hold on. Sorry, sometimes when you're riffing, you're just riffing and you're not thinking. Uh, Our number 11 prospect is Griffin Roberts, right-handed pitcher. Now, uh, and I don't know why I keep doing this now, quick thing, I apologize for that. Uh, I think it's the water in my ears that's gotten to my brain more than likely. Griffin Roberts is special. He's special because he throws what is easily the best secondary offering in the system. It's his slider. Uh, You know, I love Malcolm Nunez. I love Evan Mendoza. I love Evan Kerchinski. I love Ian Torres. Uh, I love Griffin Roberts. But if you're going to read one of those articles, or if you're going to click on one of those articles, click on the Griffin Roberts article because it's six gifts, seven gifts of his slider and some other stuff too. But just watch that pitch. The, you know, since I've been writing about Cardinals prospects, since I've been following Cardinals prospects, they, they've had a lot of interesting, like, top-tier change-ups come through the organization. Marco Gonzalez, Michael Waka, Luke Weaver, guys that they've drafted. You know, the cutter from Dakota Hudson was easily the best cutter in the draft that Hudson was drafted in. 2016. I think it was 2016, if I'm doing the math right. Uh, you know, some great fastballs, too. But from a secondary offering standpoint, Griffin Roberts' slider is second to None. Uh, it looks like a wiffle ball. He can do all kinds of different things with it. He can make it sharp. He can flatten it out. He can back it up. Uh, he throws it in impressive counts. You know, uh, if he's 3-0, he's gonna th- he might throw you a slider. He might throw you his wicked-ass sinker, too. Uh, but he, he might throw you a slider. He probably will throw you the slider. If it's a 3-2 count, don't be surprised if you're getting the slider. 2-2 count, don't be surprised if you're getting the slider. He commands it. Uh, I don't know if I've ever... I just... The Cardinals don't end up with a player like this in the draft. It very rarely happens. And the reason it happened, in his sophomore year, he was the closer for Wake Forest. And that kind of like, that changed his perception. Now, I think a lot of scouts and a lot of teams said, all right, Griffin Roberts, he was such a dynamic closer uh, for Wake Forest. His velocity was high, high, mid to high 90s. Uh, all he needs is two pitch, uh, two pitches rather, with that fastball and the slider. Uh, this is a bullpen option in the long run, and that helped him fall a little bit. And then the other thing that happened is when he was a starter for Wake Forest in his junior year, he had a high ERA. It was like 3.82, but that doesn't matter because all of his other peripherals were amazing. He only let up 20 extra base hits uh, in 96 innings pitched with facing 400 batters. Like, he was just that good. But anyways, what happened is velocity dropped. 
uh, his velocity drop, rather. It was low 90s with touch mid. Uh, he threw a changeup that was really good at the beginning of his junior year. And then as the innings piled up, uh, he almost doubled his innings from the prior year. It went from like 55 to 96 or whatever it was. Uh, you know, going from closing to starting, doubled his innings. And as the season wore on, his feel for his changeup kind of betrayed him. Uh, got nickel, nickel and dime, too. You'll see that. Uh, let up maybe a little too many, too many walks, too. His whip was 1.20. But anyways, with Griffin Roberts, it's going to be important that he keeps logging innings and reasserts the feel, or, or re-demonstrates, rather, the feel for that changeup. The changeup is going to be the difference maker. It's It'll be the, the decider on if he ends up being a starter or a reliever in the long run. Uh, if he throws it like he threw it at the beginning of the year for Wake Forest, the Cardinals have a potentially dynamic starter. Uh, I would say a starter right along the lines of Dakota Hudson, uh, even with the potential to be like a notch above Dakota Hudson. That's how good this kid has a potential to be. He has a really violent delivery that I want to see kind of like Calm down just a little bit. I want to see him repeat it a little bit better. Uh, but, you know, what I know is the Cardinals drafted a player here that will make the major leagues. And you can't always guarantee that. And you, I feel like, if for no other reason than that slider and his fastball, he has, ma- he has the major leagues written all over him. It's just a matter of, like, in what capacity and what that means and, and how productive he is at the major league level. Uh, but he is, he is special in a very, very unusual way. Uh, he has the floor of a bullpen guy who exhausts all three of his major league options going up and down in the you know the majors and the minors, uh, and he has the ceiling of a middle of the rotation with potentially like two like a two three starter potential. Again, that's a long ways off. He has a lot to do to get there, but the talent is there for him to be that. It's just that if he can max out all of his talent to get there, uh, more than likely you're talking about a, a amazingly beautiful fourth fifth starter in, in the long run for a couple years. I. I cannot tell you enough about how much I love Griffin Roberts. And the more I watch him, the more I'm just blown away by how good he's capable of being. Uh, He has another level, and I don't think anyone's seen it yet. And I think that part of the reason we haven't seen it yet is because of the relief to starting role in college. I think they probably saw it at the beginning of the year last year when he was borderline unhittable in some situations. Uh, But hopefully the Cardinals get to see that in 2019. But of course, as you know by now, Griffin Roberts was hit with a 50-game suspension for smoking a little cannabis. Cannabis came up in his system. Uh, this was, Now, any suspension uh, for cannabis in particular, I think uh, any suspension at the minor league level means that you tested positive not just once, but twice. Uh, so that means that he was hit twice, and then finally the suspension kicked in after the second one, the second positive test. Uh, I just want to say he knew that the ru- he knew the rules, and he still smoked weed, uh, and he deserves his punishment. But it also comes with the caveat that Major League Baseball players that are on the 40-man, that are part of the Major League Baseball Players Association, do not get suspended for pot or cannabis or marijuana or weed or whatever you want to call it. Uh, the Hindu Kush, uh, shout out to Twin Peaks. Uh, but they don't get suspended for that. They're, they're exempt from that. This is something that only minor leaguers get hit for. It's kind of a joke, and it's just another example of how the indentured servants that are minor leaguers uh, get, held to an un- or get held to an unfair uh, standard as compared to the major leaguers. It's just another level that is kind of a joke. And sure, test positive for HGH, ban those kids, suspend those kids, whatever. In my personal opinion... Find a better way to do it when it comes to cannabis and weed. This stuff is becoming more and more legal throughout the states. Uh, 
you know, I don't know. I just have, it's whatever. I'm not going to get into the politics of it. But because of that, Griffin Roberts will miss the first 50 games of the regular season, which means that he won't make his his Cardinal uh, 2019 debut until the end part of May. Now, I would expect him to start in Palm Beach. He might start in Peoria. If he's looking good while working in extended spring training, don't be surprised if he finds his way to Springfield. But it's going to be important that he logs a ton of innings uh, once he starts making his debut because the Cardinals will need him to work his innings up. Uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see what happens. I'm heartbroken that he won't be starting until, uh, you know, the end of May. We won't get to see him in a minor league game until the end of May. Uh, but beggars can't be choosers, you know, and when you break the rules, you break the rules and you deserve to be punished for it, even if the rules are a joke. That's, uh, that's just how it is. Uh, other than that, I don't really have many other thoughts between our prospects number 15 and 11. I, I just want to say one more time that I love this group. Uh, all five of these guys. Now, Mendoza and Krzynski are a little bit different, but with Torres and Roberts and Nunez, all three of those guys could easily, a year from now, be the top in, in the top five. Uh, I expect two of our current top five to still be eligible next year, and the other three to not be. So I can almost see Nunez and Torres and Roberts all slotting into that top five. So this is a really exciting, uh, albeit far away for the most part, group. I really like Mendoza and Krachinski. They're a little closer to the majors. Both will probably start the year at Springfield. Both could be knocking on the major league door by the end of the year. Uh, and again, I just be really excited about this group. Temper those expectations, but be excited. Uh, when you get back to this, we'll be at prospect number 10. Uh, he's made more noise in spring training than anyone not named Tommy Edmond. Uh, and, and everyone loves him. And he's 20 years old. And I can't wait to talk about him. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. Again, I'm Kyle Reese. I'm your host. Uh, hit me at Twitter at KYLER416. Uh, for everybody on Twitter, everybody on Prospects After Dark, uh, everybody at Birds on the Black, I'm Kyle Reese. If you are listening to this, you are part of the Reese resistance. Uh, and as always, I hope you had a good time. And uh, come back here in a couple days, a couple five, six days, and we'll get the next round for you. Happy hunting, fam.